This is The Warrior's Cry, and I'm James, your host. Welcome to another installment of our podcast, Um, and uh, this is episode 11. I'm really excited to be here. Um, You know, I I would have not thought um, back in February that um, I would have continued doing this um, because I have a tendency to get started on things and then... um, not really carry it through. I don't know. I, I think that's more of a, a personal uh, trait of mine. Not a good trait, but definitely a trait of mine. Um, I usually get started on things, um, and then I have a hard time following through, uh, or at least I think I do. Um, so who would have thought that here in September of 2016 that I would still be doing this? Um I know that most of my listeners uh, have uh, really enjoyed listening to the podcast, and unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of feedback from you guys, and I would love to hear some feedback um, through my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Warriors Cry. also have a Twitter, um, which is uh, uh, at the Warriors Cry. Um, and Google Plus, which I think is uh, the Warriors Cry one, which I'm not as... Uh, active on Google+. Plus, So I'd love to hear your feedback around what we've been talking about, the direction of the podcast, and where we've been going. Um, you know, today's interview with uh, Cesar Kalinowski was not to be expected, honestly. I had no idea um, what was going to come about from my interview with um Mr. Kalinowski, I, I just generally, I had no idea. Um, the interview um, basically started at 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific, well, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It was 11 Pacific, which he is, um, I think, out in Washington State, um, best I could tell. Uh, we didn't really go over that. Um, but and, and like I said, I'll get to the interview here in a moment, but there was a few things that I generally wanted to talk about. Um, the state of the Warriors cry, I just kind of wanted to touch base a little bit on that. Um, so like I said, I do want your feedback and I need to hear from you guys. So go to facebook.com forward slash the Warriors cry, follow the page if you're not currently following it. And, uh, let me know what you think. And um, we also have a Patreon set up. It's patreon.com forward slash the Warriors Cry. Um, the goal there is not for me to make a lot of money off this podcast, um, but so that I have the funds to be able to pay for uh, the website and the audio hosting. And, you know, later on down the road, when I start getting um, uh, guests on the program that require some type of. Uh, compensation for their time, I would need money uh, for that particular venture. Um, And of course, my goal in the future is that not necessarily this podcast, but the podcast network in general um, allows me to be able to live off of it. That would be my dream, to be able to do this full time, uh, something that I enjoy. I absolutely love doing this. So, um, Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and start the interview with Cesar Kalinowski. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You'll notice a couple of times during the actual interview uh, where I almost sounded like I was crying. Well, news was I was crying. There were uh, 
some intense moments where uh, Caesar was talking about some really, really great things, and my heart ached for what he talked about. Uh, the missional community just sounds so fantastic to me, and uh, I had no idea when I started this podcast that um, that I would have such a uh, uh, an honored guest on the program just 11 episodes later. I, would, I, I had no idea. With that said, stay tuned after the break for the interview with Caesar Kalinowski. Hello, and this is uh, the Warriors Cry episode eleven. Um, I've got my guest on the program, Caesar Kalinowski. He is actually the um, uh, leader of a uh, missional community group, as well as uh, uh, you know a uh, success coach and a spiritual uh, entrepreneur. Which I saw on his website. I thought that was a really good. Uh, uh, you like that, huh? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> love that. So we've got Caesar Kalinowski on. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your ministry and uh, what you, who you are, and what you stand for uh, before we get into the questions. What I stand for? Wow, that's a that's a big. Yeah, hopefully I stand for the king of this kingdom, <laughs> um, right? Let's get yeah. that out of the way. Um, yeah, so so I live out in the Pacific Northwest, and I moved out here from Chicago area uh, in 2004 as a church planter, and we began planting. Uh, the gospel in communities, neighborhoods, and learning how to make disciples who make disciples. And as that multiplied, those groups, those missional communities, recongregate. And that's, that was as a part of SOMA Communities. It was, uh, came out in 2004 as one of the leaders and started that. And so now, as the director of the GCM Collective, which is Gospel Community and Mission, GCM, Gospel Communities on Mission Collective, I help to train others to do the same. So either be it church planters or families who are wanting to live in their own neighborhoods and uh, figure out how they live out their faith in real tangible ways, kind of in the everyday life and build discipleship gospel centered communities. So that, yeah, that's what we're about is disciples making disciples. And I'm sure that we'll end up getting to talk a little bit about that today. Absolutely. Um, discipleship is a very important thing in the body of Christ. And um, before we get started, uh, as far as getting into the questions, I always like to start off with the foundational verse behind the warrior's cry. Um, and if you will uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, and you don't have to necessarily turn with me, but I'm just telling our listeners. Um, let's see here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that there be, that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each of you is saying, I, have, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So with that section of scripture, uh, what is the first thought that comes to your mind after I read that? 
what comes to my mind, James, is that um, there seems to be, uh, obviously, there's lots of denominations within the church. There's lots of tribes of people. And as leaders, even, we tend to follow certain people and, and their teaching and their techniques and their models for doing church or being the church or making disciples. And um, boy, I think if Christ is proclaimed and people are growing in the, the understanding of the gospel, Jesus' life, death, and, and his resurrection, what that means for us now, our identity, uh, I would love there to be unity and less uh, flying of flags, I guess, of, you know, who, who, well, we don't do it this way, we do it that way. And no, you do it this way. And as, as we talk about the missional movement and life in missional communities, there's definitely some continued tribalism, if you will. And uh, I, I hope that, uh, I'd love to see that diminish over the years ahead. Now, the fascination that I have with the missional community is it seems like the missional community is a lot like the church in scripture um, was back in the days of the original apostles and uh, the original church plants of Paul. Um, can you f- describe for our listeners really what a missional church is? Uh, just kind of a summary, because I know it could probably be a, a book worth of information. But uh, if you can, try Guess to explain. What? You're sp- just- yeah, you're speaking to an author, so I've written several <laughs> books on this. <laughs> so feel free to... Yeah, feel free to share all those with your listeners. But absolutely, um, well, a a missional church, and and just in the, you know, the most common definition of it is Jesus only gave the church one mission, and that's go and make disciples. And I still think that's what God's saying to the church today. If you if you'll if you'll listen to my son and you'll do what he says, go and make disciples. Then you fill the world with people who are becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's the Paul says that's the mystery revealed that the whole world would be full of God's glory. And the way God always intended to do that was through humans being transformed in their true identity into Christ's identity. And and that is just, that's so big. I I mean, we travel all over the world teaching and teaching on that. And so a missional church is a church that's all about making disciples. That's God's mission of Jesus. And so for us, we tend to dig the tunnel from the one side of like, hey, how do we help people start these types of communities in their own neighborhoods and cities and move towards the congregation, you know, of the saints? Or if they're starting that way as a way of sort of piloting missional communities within their existing church. But either way, a quote, missional church would be a church that's about the mission of making disciples to make disciples. Now, interestingly enough, there's, I don't think there's any church in America that would raise their hand and say, we're not about that, (laughs) you know, making disciples. We totally are. But they're really not, okay? So here's where I'm going to start to lose some of your listeners. Actually, most churches are not that missional because discipleship is a series of classes or it's an add-on or there's the discipleship person on staff that kind of leads the classes. And if that's our mission, then that's what the whole church is about. Is is everything we're doing, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, children, whatever we're doing, is it about the making of disciples who then in turn know how to make other disciples? And we, we know, I mean, this is, I don't think this is harsh critique. Um, most Christians have never been discipled in an every area of life type of way. They, they, they're discipled with some Bible knowledge and maybe some spiritual practices to go sort of in the mornings. And, and we're kind of waiting for our afterlife. <laughs> that's, right. that's what we're doing. We're just kind of waiting for Jesus to come back and whew, we get to get a heck out of here. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, um, I know that, you know, what we talk a lot about on this podcast is really the divisions in the church, the different denominations. And, you know, I've interviewed Baptist pastors and, and Pentecostal leaders and, uh, and and stuff like that. And 
you know, one thing that they always talk about is they talk about how the division is actually a good thing um, because we basically can separate ourselves uh, and uh, essentially have conversations in and of our own groups that would allow us to grow. However, my frustration with disunity in the body of Christ is that sometimes we see different denominations cutting down other denominations because, for some reason, it seems like it's uh, a benefit to them. And you you see some denominations have better uh, discipleship, so to speak, than others, um, which I've never actually been to a missional church, so the idea of it seems really fascinating to me. So well, what and does here's the thing? You don't, yeah, you, you don't even get to go to a missional church because it's an identity thing, right? Right. That whole that whole phrase that we all grew up with of going to church. Church isn't a building. Church right. is people. <laughs> so it'd actually be, uh, it, James, it'd be like to be a part of a missional church would be like closer in in, in the right understanding and nuance of that, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. I, you know, I to your question though, to your point about disunity, I, I, I find it hard to believe, but I believe you <laughs> that there'd be any church leaders and denominational leaders saying, "Hey, this difference and this separation is really a good thing," because then we get to grow within our uniquenesses. Boy, oh boy, there's just too many commands, right? And you just read one of them that that's not to be the case. Exactly, I think yeah. I don't know exactly when it started, but somewhere along the line in the last hundred years plus, as the church began to lose its um, sway. And, and, and its banner and its, its uh, you know, flame within culture, we began to try to fight culture wars. And somewhere along the line, apologetics became uh, good evangelism. <laughs> you know? And right, it's not. Yeah. I mean, I've no, I don't know of anybody who ever got argued into the kingdom. Okay, I just don't. <laughs> you know, like, well, we believe this. Well, we believe this. Like, no, right. No, yes. No, really. No, really. You'll think, okay, I'm a Christian. Like, I, I, I've never heard those words, you know. And so what happens, though, is, Apologetics is a wonderful thing for the defense of the faith within internal discussions around doctrine and theology and practice that we get to have. All of a sudden, became uh, our, our 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 outdoor set of clothes. It's what we wear to the public as well. Meaning, the things my wife and I talk about when we're laying in bed and we're discussing family life, and some of the times it's not always fun and we don't always agree is not the same conversation we have when we're inviting neighbors over who don't know Christ and his love and his generosity yet. So you, you see what I'm saying? Okay, and I yeah. think a lot of this separation internally is sort of adventures in missing the point. Like we're right. wrangling around <laughs> stuff, you know, it's it, we're, we're wrangling over things that we get to, but it's not to be our public face. And it is so minor in most cases, not everybody would agree, over the great command when Jesus boiled it down to, you know, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbors the exact same way. He didn't say, fight the heck, you know, fight the battles like heck and not going to the point of actually division and hating each other, and then let that bleed into how you treat others. It's the exact opposite. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, looking at church history, and and I've done that a, a lot over the last few years, um, because this has been kind of a... Uh, mission in progress or a ministry in progress for at least 20 years now. Um, but looking in church history, you know, it's it's sad and shocking to see that even two, three, four hundred years ago that the different denominations were um, not only divided, but they were hostile towards each other, you know, and that there was infighting and actual, you know, um, fisticuffs over uh, the division, the tertiary things that actually come up between the denominations. Um, now, Thank God we're not really 
that way anymore. But when you have churches that are KJV only, who are burning Bibles from different translations because uh, they feel like they're from the devil, um, and you know, and, and I'm coming at this from the angle of someone being in the Bible Belt. I'm I'm in the yeah. south uh, southeastern part of the country. I'm in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, so this area out here is, you know, it's crazy. Where I live at, there is literally a church uh, on every block, and each church has a different theology and an idea of who God is and what he would stand for. Um, and even though they teach Jesus and him crucifi- crucified, they find divisions in those conversations that cause themselves to be separated from each other. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on to the questions that I've got for you. Um, I know that I sent it over uh, and you've you've had a time to kind of look at those. So the first one we'll come to is, what do you think God is saying to the church today? Well, James, that's pretty broad, right? You know, I mean, probably lots of things. Um, but from our perspective, and we'd have to do a six-part series where I could really <laughs> unpack the nuances of this, but I, I think it's still the same thing. I think Jesus said, go and make disciples. And the weight of that and what that means, actually, like in teaching them all that I've commanded you and to obey my teachings, um, that that has so been disregarded where it was like an app. It was like somewhere along the line, the church thought instead of go and make disciples was the command. The only mission Jesus ever gave the church, like the only one. Somewhere we took that and meant go and make converts. And we, we, lo- we lost the focus of actually discipling people to a faith and beyond, because that's what Jesus says happens. They're actually discipled to the truth, and then that truth sets them free. That's what he says in John 8. Um, we lost that, and, and all of a sudden the goal became get converts, make converts. And it was justified because, well, we don't want everybody burning in hell. No, of course not. But the goal didn't become God's glory and filling the world with copies of Jesus. It became converts. And how we sell that is, hey, you don't want to burn in hell, do you? Well, of course not. All right, we'll sign up here. Well, can I sign up across the street with those guys? No, no, they 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 believe something different. They don't believe that. Well, they believe part of that, but here's the problem. They're their women wear skirts or whatever, you know, or right. pants or something, you know. So it's like, what? You know, and so I think the I, you know, certainly many things, but one of the dominant things is the father would be saying, please go back to what my son said and modeled. That's why he came. Otherwise, he could have just from heaven said, Hey, get everybody to believe in me. <laughs> but Paul already said, No, the rocks already cry out, and it's so plain, even in nature, of who God is. The goal is not to get people to believe in God and make converts, it's to go and make disciples and teach them to walk in my ways so they'll know the truth about the Father, about me, about their life now in the Spirit, and they'll be set free because of that. I, I, I'd love to I'd love to hear the church hear that <laughs> to a, a larger degree. Amen. Uh, now, we, we keep talking about discipleship, and I know that's a big draw for your ministry as well as the missional community that you're uh, involved with. Um, but let me ask you this. What is a disciple, you know, kind of in truncated terms? I know we would have uh, a series of conversations if we really took it out to the, the nth degree, but just kind of give me an idea of what you mean by discipleship and how that looks in churches today. Great, great question. Well, uh, we sum it up this way. We say that discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief concerning the gospel in absolutely every area of life. Let me say it again. 
Discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief in every area of life in regards to who God is, what he's done in Christ, what's now true of us. And for most of us, um, discipleship is not that. Discipleship is a series of classes designed to give us knowledge and, and or a series of practices. But we've never been apprenticed in all of life. So when we say someone has come to faith or we say, oh, you know, hey, I give you a call late at night, James, guess what? So-and-so got saved. And you're like, rejoice, you know. Well, like, what I want to ask now is I want to rejoice, but I want to ask well, which part of them got saved? Which part of their belief moved, you know, from unbelief to belief? about what was true about God and them. And what do they now get to do about that? And so for most of the church and most of the, you know, my life growing up in the church and pastoring, what we meant by someone gets saved is we, what we're referring to is they, they move from unbelief to belief in regards to their atonement issue. In other words, they actually can't save themselves. They're in need of a savior and God provided that savior in and through his son, Jesus. And that's a free gift now that, that we can have forgiveness and salvation through that. But what about the other hundreds or maybe millions of areas of their life where they're still clearly not living in light of belief about who God is and what's true for them? And let me give you an example. Um, if we are becoming a disciple of Jesus, then we are more and more going to move from unbelief to belief that God is a generous father and that he's given us all things that we're co-heirs in Christ. And so therefore, his generosity leads to uh, us getting to live a life of abundance and generosity. But most Christians don't live that and they don't believe that yet. They've not been saved in that area as evidenced by, uh, I think recent statistics is that you're, you're really regular attending church attenders. You know, those Christians that go to church at least three or four weeks or what is, it? I think it's 2.6 now or something is the really the rock stars. But um, out of those real regular attenders, it's, it's just south of 5%, around 5%, 4 to 5% are regular tithers. That's it. The 95 or, or more and above, they give very little. They tip God now and then, and they're not given to mission. They're just not that generous because they've not yet moved from unbelief to belief that God owns it all. It's all his. He's super generous. He's given us everything and said, and if you need more, just ask. So we get to live a life of generosity and giving it away. And we teach our people, hey, bounce your last check. Just live, give it away. Just keep living generously. Go for it. And so a disciple is someone who is maturing in every area of life. Now, that, that, pokes, that pokes, you know, a finger in the chest of many of us because is what we're doing as the church discipling people to move from unbelief to belief about God in every area of life and as evidenced by the way they're living. And, and you know what? You can't make a disciple. You can't make a mature and healthy disciple, someone who's becoming like Jesus, believing and living in light of the truth in every area of their life by sitting in rows for about an hour, hour and a half once a week. Can't do it because you don't get to see their whole life. You don't get to speak into it. You don't get to model it. So I, 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 that, that's, that, I know that's a big challenge, but that's what discipleship is. That's what Jesus did and modeled. And that's what he calls the church to do. Wow, you have literally just blown my mind. I, I probably will listen to that section over and over and over again while I'm editing, because that just absolutely blew my mind. Thank you for that. Yeah, blessing, brother. I mean, I, you know, this is going to seem like a plug for me, but it's just a plug for helping. If folk, you know, if you or others want to list, uh, read Transformed, it's a book that came out just a couple of years ago of mine on Zondervan. Transformed talks all about this life that we get to live. And what's that look like when we, we begin to be discipled in every area of life? Because it forms community and it forms the church. 
and it shapes our outward expression of who God is and what he's up to to others. And it's beautiful and it's rich and it's in everyday life and it's meaningful and people are very drawn to it. They really are very drawn to it, both <laughs> those who are believing and those who are not yet believing. Well, I will tell you that as soon as I get uh, done recording and editing, I will order that book because that was phenomenal. Thank you. Totally. So, Blessings, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so moving on to the next question after that big chunk of meat that we just got. <laughs> um, is the church healthy? <laughs> well, like in gar- regards to relationship, you mean? In regards to uh, the church, capital C, um, as members of the body of Christ, do you think that we are healthy? Not necessarily in the individual churches, lower KC, okay. um, but the actual church as a whole. No, I th- not at all. I, th- I think we're on life support. And as evidenced by, there's a creational order, James, there's a creational order that healthy things grow and multiply they just do um it's it's amazing to me i love i love the genesis one through three narratives um if you know i teach in story a lot and i'm kind of known for some of that but in the genesis one to three narratives one of my just lines in there that, that god's placed in his word it says that as he created plants and animals all different kinds and sizes and shapes and colors and flavors all with seeds in them so they could reproduce themselves and then when he creates humans in his own image, breathing his own life breath into them, ruha, spirit, into them, then he commands them, go be fruitful and multiply. So we see a creational order of anything that God creates and is healthy grows and multiplies. So the, the transverse then is we look at the capital C church, is the church growing and multiplying, at least like here in our context, or is it diminishing and is it is it feeling less like vibrant? You know, when you hear pastors saying, I really need to get a break from work. And I just read another mega, I won't name who, but I just read another mega pastor at a beautiful community in Nashville who's having to step down because he's so fried and burnt out. You're going, wait a minute. If the church, this family of God, Jesus brothers and sisters, God's kids, isn't the most life-giving group of humans on the planet to help you live Jesus' life, which had to be the best life ever lived by a human, such that it actually fries and breaks and kills its own leaders, then something's wrong. Right. <laughs> Think about Absolutely. it. Yeah. If you say, I really, need a, I really need a break from leading my church, you're like, well, then wait a minute. Why are you inviting anybody to something that's such a hassle and so harmful? <laughs> you know, Like, what are we doing? What are we inviting people to? Well, and the question that one would ask is, you know, what kind of accountability structure did he have? What kind of relationships did he have outside of um, that church? And I was extremely grieved to hear about that church in Nashville because um, I had gotten a lot of joy out of listening to his uh, sermons over the last year. Um, And uh, also, you know, Pastor uh, Perry Noble from New Spring, when that all happened, um, broke my heart. And, And there's a lot of pastors um, uh, that are just leaving the ministry in general. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the unhealthy nature of uh, the capital C church. I also feel like a lot of it has to do with uh, the relationship that we have amongst the body. You know, uh, when you have two churches that are side by side, and I don't know if it's like this in the Pacific Northwest, but um, when you have two churches side by side that share a parking lot, 
and the members of each church come out and they don't mention or talk to e- e- anyone coming out of the other one, um, the relationship is dead and it makes it so much harder for that ministry to flourish and the ministry and the community to flourish. Um, but yeah, I was totally grieved when I heard yeah, that's, about that's uh, horrible. Yeah. the Nashville church and, you know, and, and I know the mega churches put a lot of strain and stress on their leadership, but it, it, it's even more imperative that they have good leaders in place around them to hold them accountable and to make sure that they're, uh, that they've got these relationships to keep them strong and, and all of that kind of stuff. But well, one of the things we teach is, is that, you know, Jesus modeled how relationships work and he modeled them. Uh, we say up in and out, and this isn't new. I'm sure that you've heard this before, but Jesus really did model if you want to have a healthy life and a healthy uh, set, series of relationships, they need each other. So he modeled up his relationship with his father was real and it was frequent and it was moment by moment. It was ongoing and he took time for it and that his relationship was up, but it was also in. He spent time with his community, like daily, not weekly for an hour or two, sitting primarily in rows in silence. He lived life with these people. And he told them what he heard from the father. And when he was troubled, he took what they were saying that he was troubled about and he went back to the father. So that relationship was connected. He's up in. But then he also modeled out, up in out. He modeled out with them because he was out on the road. He was in homes. He was speaking. He was healing. He was doing miracles. He was feeding. He was doing all of it out and about amongst where he connected those relationships back to those he was in discipleship relationships with that was all connected to the father and if you take any one of those three legs of the stool out up in or out you can see where it tips off and so when we see brothers and sisters who are just getting eaten alive by ministry i i'll bet and this is part of discipleship is up in out i'll bet we can look at okay for instance i don't know okay and anybody said but maybe they did have a strong up relationship with the father but because of the way the culture was, they could not go in and be honest about what the father was pinpointing, convicting them on, calling them to repent about, because they'd lose their position or they'd lose their job. How do I feed my kids? Whatever. So it was not a real strong up in connection. Or maybe they have that. There is a transparency. They've got great accountability groups. And what they're hearing from their accountability group, they're able to take back to the father and the father's confirming and back and forth. But there's nothing outward. It's all about we're so busy. We're just in these four walls and there's no outward relationship. We're not making disciples who know how to make disciples out and about and amongst in everyday life. And so now it starts to become about program and consumerism has crept in long ago. That's not a new problem. And now we got to keep these people happy. So it's up in, but in a very codependent in way. Right. I'm saying so there's there's some relational, you know, unhealth there. But Jesus gave us the model up in out. And when those are connected and, and, and rightly functioning, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, with this all in perspective, um, and, and I know you get to talk to a lot of uh, church leaders uh, being part of the uh, uh, part of like global leadership and, and uh, being part of CoachNet and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. So I know you get to talk to a lot of leaders, but for our listeners uh, and for my benefit, what are some questions that you typically would ask other um, leaders in the Capital C Church? 
Well, let's just assume I don't know where they're at as far as health or vitality or joy or any of that. Just if I was to say, hey, you know, let's just see how it's going, what's going on in your life and everything. I would ask them about um, what's your life in community in the day to day, you know, 622, we call it like you got two hours on Sunday, but you got six days and 22 hours when that show's not going on, when the, you know, the services aren't being run. Maybe some of them have less because they run multiple services, but you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like what's life look like in the 622? Cause if, if leaders are supposed to be the models, right? Like if elders, pastors, leaders in the church are supposed to be the models, I'd ask them, are you living and modeling a life worth imitating right now? Are you living and leading as a disciple who makes disciples in every area of life? Because if you say, well, no, I'm too busy because I got to prep a message or no, I'm too busy with all the board meetings and responsibilities I have. There's just no way in the world you can say, I'm too busy as a leader in Jesus family to not have any time to do what he commanded. Just that there's a disconnect there. (laughs) You know what I mean? It'd be like, hey, uh, you're a swimming coach for, you know, a living. That's why we hired you. Um, How often are you in the pool? I'm never in the pool. Like, are you, I mean, like, are you in the water? No, I, there's no way I'm getting wet. Do you even go to a pool anymore? No, all I do is talk about swimming with people. I, I sign people up to swim. I talk about swimming, but I'm never, ever actually coaching or swimming. Why is that? I don't have time. Well, it's goofy. You, you know, it's like, well, so are, are our pastors, are the leaders of these churches modeling a life worth imitating? Meaning, hey, I, that, that family has such great joy. I want joy. I'm going to hang around with them. Uh, I, that family has such a wonderful marriage, and I can see it because they actually they live open door. You know, I want a better marriage. Guess what? I'm getting next to those leaders. That's why God has given us these leaders, right. these elders and pastors. Um, are you living a life that's so generous among people that, that it spurs them to generosity because they actually see and taste that the Lord is good? Are, are you are you making disciples in every area of life and allowing that community that's that sort of in you know connection to actually speak in and and iron sharpen iron with you or is it like well now I'm, I'm such an elevated level I, I can't anymore I don't get to see that's that's gonna crush a person living God's call go and make disciples in the power of the spirit and that's what Jesus said as I've been sent so I send you he breathed on them right receive the spirit now go and make um, Living out God's call, and this is, I'm talking to leaders now, just not, not just, you know, the, the rest of the flock and fold, but living out his call and his commands in his strength and power is never going to fry us or burn us out. It won't. He's promised that. I'll never give you more than you can handle in my strength. But if we're living these bifurcated lives where it's like, well, I've got my staff life and I've got my preaching life and I got my Sunday life and then I've got my family life. And then we've got these mission things that we do. I go to Uganda once a year. I go to Mexico. We go over here. I give to that. If it's all separated and bifurcated, the clock is ticking. You will be fried up because that's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a, there's a medical term for when someone thinks they can actually live two different lives or three. It's called schizophrenia. I call it spiritual schizophrenia. So many of our leaders live completely spiritual schizophrenic lives it's all separate and they have different personas and the two don't overlap that much and then we say but but these are our leaders so model them are you living a life worth imitating that's a question i ask a lot 
Are your elders on your elder board living a life that if a young couple was coming to faith and they're like, we want to be like Jesus and we want to see it, the world changed by our family and our lives and we're just starting to have kids. You're like, you know what? Saddle up next to those elders right there, that couple right there. They're going to have you in their home. They're going to love on you. They're going to weep through stuff. They're going to help you pay your bills when you can't meet it. They're going to help you meet needs of others that God brings across your path to show how great of a family he has. You just saddle up against those leaders right there and you're going to know how to make disciples and you're going to have a life increasingly filled with joy and fruit. Are our leaders living lives worth imitating? Mm. Caesar, I got to tell you, man, this is probably my best interview so far. Um, you are like, what you're saying is convicting me and, uh, and I'm sure convicting my audience as well as uh, blessing me and the audience as well. I, I, mm. I am like completely floored over here. So thank you. Okay, man. Thanks. <laughs> He's God, you know, I mean, I prayed Absolutely. about this this morning, you know, here we go. I'm just, hopefully the Lord is speaking. So, <laughs> Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting over here just like literally shaking in my uh, chair because like you are like saying things that are just really getting to the heart of the issue uh, of the ministry of the warrior's cry, which is unity in the church, but unity in the church can't happen without discipleship. And the discipleship you were talking about, I have never seen in my entire life. And, uh, I want to be a part of that. I want to see um, how I can help with that uh, in the ministry as well. <clears throat> well, there's, there's, this is what we have been gifted and blessed to be able to talk about and give away every day. If you know, folks will go to my website at caesarkalinowski.com, which no one will know how to spell, so you'll have to put a link in the show notes. But <laughs> if they can even guess it, Google and that, they'll find it. And every Monday I post new videos talking about these kinds of things called the next best time and it's all about like hey in this area of your life how does the gospel touch down and reshape and reform us and maybe we haven't known this maybe we've not been living this way but you know the next best time to go ahead and start is now <laughs> and so and there's all kinds of downloadable resources there at caesarkalinowski.com where you can just download boatloads of free stuff and watch videos and things to share and things to post up on their mirrors to remind them of things that they learned and i there's a lot of stuff there that folks can go and get. Trust me, I'm going to be like uh, visiting your webpage like constantly for the next uh, little bit because like I'm just getting so much out of this. So, yeah, you are totally a blessing. And I did not even see this coming from a mile away. You know, I, I'm preparing for the interview beforehand and I'm praying that that God has his will and uh, in, in the conversation and that, you know, that... Uh, uh, the discussion goes the direction that God wants to go, and and I really believe that that's happening probably for the first time uh, in the eleven episodes that I've had so far. Um, I'm just I'm floored, Caesar. So thank you. Well, praise God for that. This is uh, this is important stuff, uh, but you know we we always say it's it's not because we should or we're supposed to, but we get to for the gospel. There's no should in the gospel. It's all we get to. We Amen. get to live this way with others, connected deeply to the Father, and let the gospel transform our lives. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm grateful to be on with you today. And we're going to finish. Uh, we're going to start uh, winding down, and we're going to finish out with one last question before we do our uh, closing plugs and everything like that. Um, what are some things in your view that bring unity and disunity to the body of Christ and to the individual? lowercase c's in a community sure 
Well, there again, like we've already spoken, James, uh, the church is people, right? So I know we talk about sort of the capital C and it's, you know, it's the, the, all of the bodies and congregations and all that. And that's, I think that's how dad, I think that's how the father sees it. Right. But, but the church is people. And so, you know, what, what brings unity or disunity to the body, to that family? Um, I think it's a lack of understanding of the gospel, which leads to a lack of mercy and, and, and a lack of an understanding of what true justice is. What, what we're left with is law. We're, we're left, we're left with just the letter that kills, not the inspiration or the intent, but we're left with the law that killed we're lacking in mercy mercy is you know on it's not grace grace is unmerited favor like what you get that you don't deserve mercy is not getting what you deserve <laughs> and i think that we are so quick to pounce on each other within the family and they I, and maybe we're right but mercy would say like you know what i they don't need that what they need is god's kindness that leads to repentance but what we say is now they need justice you know they need judgment and it's like no actually god teaches and models the exact opposite so we have a huge lack of understanding of mercy and coupled with that right love mercy do justice we say justice is like you know level in the scales or you know we talk about you know we i just watched in the news yesterday and someone uh or maybe it was this morning got shot yeah it was got shot and you know by some police it's horrible and oh man no weapons involved and 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 so the parents being interviewed immediately and they're saying we just want justice well, of course we do but there again within the church we say the same thing of our own brothers and sisters or our leaders no mercy so we, we blast them we don't give them what they might deserve i it was true but they they we should have given them mercy like we've been shown and then justice this is so interesting james the word justice at the root of the root in scripture uh, the root of this word justice is the same as the word root of ju- of righteous righteousness, and they both they both mean to return or restore. Mm. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? So, and and once you start seeing this, you go back through and you read everywhere you see the word justice or or judgment, and you go, oh, it's about restoration. It's not about punishment. Oh, we don't understand that. So what we think is we got to set everything right or, or put it back, you know, put it, get, get the scales even or punish people because that, you know, there's consequences for your actions, you know, brother or sister. I'm like, wait a minute. No, but justice is what God wants. Love, mercy, do justice. Justice means restoration to what? To the way God created us to be walking with him in the cool of the day, a right relationship, shalom, a peace, a, a trust with him and a trust between each other. Lack of mercy and justice is a huge reason we don't have unity in, in the body and as a family. And the church and, and, the, and the non-church, the outside fam- folks looking in go, whoa, <laughs> I don't need to sign up for your team because I got plenty of that on my family side over here or at work. You know what I mean? Or at the gym or whatever. And, and so oh, it's a huge lack of mercy in your thing. Now, there is a resource that's recently come out. It's not by me, but by a really close friend called the Justice Primer. And it's an eight-week study that you go through like with a small group or you know, just a handful of friends that really unpacks an understanding of, of mercy and what it looks like now as as community, as a family, as a friend, as a group of friends, to now begin to do justice out there in our neighborhoods and in our cities. And it's called the Justice Primer. And um, is it okay if I say where folks can get it? Absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay. So if they go to missiopublishing.com, that's M-I-S-S-I-O, missiopublishing.com, they dig around, you'll see 
you'll see the justice primer and I'll even give them a discount because I was given this discount code last week. If they, if they, when they check out, if they want to just try one out, they can, they can use justice 10 J U S T I C E the number 10 one zero and they'll get a They'll get a 10% discount on those. So they can, they can do that. Here's another crazy way that, that was set up. If folks listening to this, cause they're like, well, I'm just listening, but I'm on my phone in the car. If you be careful driving, but if you text the message, justice 10, J-U-S-T-I-C-E, the number 10, to this phone number, 33444. You'll actually get all hooked up and they'll send you an email and you'll get the discount code so you don't have to forget it and a link right to the book. And you'll also get a sample of the first week of what it looks like to walk with people in the Justice Primer. So again, Justice 10, J-U-S-T-I-C-E 10. You text that message to, here's the phone number, 33444. And they'll, boom, They'll send you a little thing back and then you're all set up. So maybe that would help (laughs) with us learning as a family, as the body, how to love mercy and do justice. And that'll maybe help folks uh, get on the road as a community. But it's a blast. It it is a super blast to study. Wow. So, yeah, Uh, amazing, amazing, amazing uh, interview. Um, So we're going to go ahead and start closing out. Okay. This is the section that I uh, open it up for you to go ahead and uh, tell us all about um, your books, your uh, uh, the ways that people can kind of follow you and listen to you um, as well. Uh, I know that you did a, a few plugs earlier in the conversation, but if you can kind of uh, bring those all into this final section so that people have uh, the uh, final reminder of all of that information. Okay, well, great. Thanks. I'd love to have a relationship with any of your listeners that that we can help out and just get to know. And really, there's just one stop shop there. If you go to Caesar Kalinowski, it's C-A-E-S-A-R, right? Like the pizza or the salad dressing. And then Kalinowski, my long Polish last name, K-A-L-I-N-O-W-S-K-I. That's phonetic. <laughs> CaesarKalinowski.com. Um, you can you can Google it. It'll find. It'll figure me out. That's that's a strange enough name. Um, my son's name the same thing, but he doesn't have a website. But <laughs> if you just go there and download anything, then um, you'll you'll be get sent emails weekly of like, hey, here's this, and here's a free thing here, and here's a new video, and here's a course you can have for free, and or here's a special on some books, or here's a free book. We give out books, and so if, if folks just want to go there and start getting more and more things and resources to help them think and articulate some of these ideas. Um, I'd be blessed to be able to, to give them to you. And if you ever feel like, well, I don't want any more, then you just unsubscribe and we'll see you next time. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's that easy. So. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I really, really am appreciative for you being on the program. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, maybe in the future, uh, uh, maybe we can have you back again on the program. Maybe, uh, in a little bit, but I really, really appreciate you being on. Uh, and I'm excited about the conversation. I'm excited about hearing what our, our listeners will uh, say as well. So once again, thanks for being on the program. Well, you're, you're welcome. And thanks for having me. And if you get any questions in and you need to forward them directly, I'd be happy to answer anything I can, but uh, blessings, blessings on you and uh, keep the cry alive. All right. Thank you. Thank you.
So that was my interview with uh, Caesar Kalinowski. And, um, you know, I, I have got to tell you, I mean, I think that that was one of the most intense conversations that I've ever had on this podcast. You know, um, listening to it again and uh, the, the big takeaways that I took was discipleship in the church and what that should look like. You know, we, we often think of discipleship in the church as being a series of classes, uh, you know, maybe having uh, one particular teacher who might take on in all the new believers and, uh, and, and kind of teach them in the ways of uh, the gospel. But one thing that I think we miss is what the gospel truly represents and what it truly means. You know, when I think about it, the gospel is simplified and both uh, basically just uh, saying, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the simplest definition of the gospel, the good news of Christ. Granted, um, the gospel is also the death, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ for uh, our sin so that we may have atonement. But the one thing that I took away, uh, well, not one thing, I, I took many, 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 many things away from my conversation with um, Mr. Kalinowski. Uh, but the one thing that jumped out at me listening through it again was the quote that he said about uh, about a third of the way through. He said, discipleship is the process of moving from an unbelief to belief in every area of life in regards to who God is and what he's done for Christ, in Christ and what now, what now is true of us. And I can honestly say I have never seen discipleship in the way that he was describing. And... Honestly, when he was talking about it, my heart was aching and my mind was churning. And I desire to see that. You know, the warrior's cry is all about unity in the body of Christ. But the only way that we can achieve unity in the body of Christ is if we truly are discipling one another in the gospel and in love in the love of our Father in heaven, and in the love of our neighbor as ourselves. If we're doing these things, then the discussions that we have that are uh, uh, destructive between the denominations would essentially go away because we wouldn't necessarily need the division any longer. And even though we have many churches out there and we have many pastors out there, and they're all doing great work in the kingdom of God. Are we really doing what we're supposed to be doing? That's the question that I'm left with after interviewing um, Caesar. I, I don't know. I honestly can't say that I know. And the statistics that he gave about, you know, the majority of the church has never been discipled is heartbreaking to me because we think discipleship is one thing. We think it's simply a class or we, we simply think it's 
that, uh, you know, being in a church where the pastor has a relationship with us or whatever, that we're being discipled. But that's not what discipleship is, or at least not what I've taken away from this conversation. To me, when I think of discipleship based on today's conversation, I think of an intense relationship between uh, a family. I think of a brother looking out for his brother, a sister looking out for her sister. I think of a father looking out for his child. And I also think about uh, apprentices and journeymen. What would church look like? What would the body of Christ look like if those who had uh, authority in the body of Christ would actually take one or two people underneath their arm and teach them, train them, train them in the ways that they should go? What would it look like? So I'm going to go ahead and finish this recording. This was a very, very long podcast. I did not want to stop. Um, Caesar was gracious to give me uh, 45 minutes of recording time, and um, I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, he did mention that he might be willing or able to come back later, uh, maybe in six months to a year, um, which I don't know yet. We'll kind of look at that when that time draws near to decide whether or not uh, to have him back on again, but I would love to have him back on. I think the conversation was just absolutely amazing. Um, I just bought his book, Transformational, uh, which he was talking about in the podcast. Um, I just ordered it, or not Transformation, it was Transformed, A New Way of Being Christian. Um, so I just ordered that, and I also ordered his other book, Small is Big, Slow is Fast, Living in and Leading Your Family. Um and community on God's mission. I never thought that this conversation would go the way that it did, but it was an amazing conversation. Uh, so once again, before we finish, follow us on facebook.com forward slash the Warriors Cry. Visit the webpage, thewarriorscry.com. Um, follow us on Twitter at the Warriors Cry as my handle. Um, and check out our other podcast, Warriors on the Wall, which is a totally different podcast. It's nothing like this, um, but it is uh, an amazing podcast where we've got several guys that just kind of talk about current events, political uh, events, things like that, and um, from a, a Christian perspective. And, uh, you know, also check out 434 Graphics, uh, Facebook.com forward slash 434 Graphics. Um, and, um, that basically exists to help out with the ministry as well. If you pr make a purchase through the business, uh, the proceeds actually go to kind of helping the uh, ministry stay afloat. Because at this time, the ministry is not really making any money, which I'm not doing this to make any money. Um, but I have that set up. If you need business cards, postcards, brochures, uh, whatever you need, um, 434 Graphics can do it for you. And uh, we'll be happy to do it for you. And that would also help the ministry out as well. And you can also visit patreon.com forward slash the Warriors Cry. The page isn't fully set up yet, but my hope is that if I'm able to uh, get enough money through Patreon or through 434 Graphics, 
to keep the website and audio hosting running. Um, that'll take a lot of stress off of, uh, uh, off of myself funding everything. Um, but I do really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Share the podcast with your friends, your family, and uh, thanks for listening once again. I love you guys. May God bless you and keep you. May let his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.